Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Debbie Weatherspoon, pastor, and I welcome you to the second in our series, Coming Home. We featured the Table of Love this Sunday. Our scripture reading was from the Book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14, and the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. Our focus on the table of love was about listening to Jesus' teaching, about what really matters is what is the intention in someone's heart, and how can we remember that whenever two or three are gathered, that God's love is with us to help us through the difficult conversations, to stay at the table long enough so that we can listen truly to one another. We hope that this message of the table of love will be an inspiration for you and bless you in the coming days. synopsis of the scripture. Jesus often confounded those for whom acceptance was conditional, those who required specific laws be followed or else. The litmus test for Jesus was simply love. He chose time and again to seek out the intention of someone's heart, to gather them together and engage in conversation as a way of moving toward right relationship. What happens when we seek to do no wrong to our neighbor, moving beyond boundaries into reciprocal understanding? Hear now this scripture advice from the 13th chapter of the letter to the Romans, followed by a remembrance of what Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. Don't run up debts except for the huge debt of love you owe each other. When you love others, you complete what the law has been after all along. The law code, don't sleep with another person's spouse, don't take someone's life, don't take what isn't yours, don't always be wanting what you don't have, and any other don't you can think of. It finally adds up to this. Love other people as well as you do yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add up everything in the law code, the sum total is love. But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all of your day-to-day -day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over, dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on the salvation work God began when we first believed. We can't afford to waste a minute, must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence, in sleeping around in dissipation, in bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about. 
Okay, so this, is, this next one is from Matthew. Do you remember what Jesus said to his disciples about how to make amends after a disagreement? If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and offer again God's forgiving love. I do remember that. Jesus also said, take this most seriously. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this. When two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Abba God in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Hear, hear.
The litmus test for Jesus was simply love. Jesus chose to seek out the intention of someone's heart. This is so important, don't you think? I mean, not just from just that Jesus did it, but as a practice for all of us to seek out the intention of someone's heart. Now, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors, if you will, that get in the way of doing that. Uh, probably a psychotherapist would use different words, such as ego, anxiety, narcissism, etc. But I know that it feels so good when I can trust that somebody else knows my heart, to know what I would and would not intend to happen. Now, of course, there's intention and impact. We make mistakes. Okay, maybe just me. I make mistakes. You all, I know. But we can find our way from hurt to love. Thank God for that. As I've heard said, and you probably have too, hurt people hurt people. But it is also true that healed people heal people. Contemporary Christian artist Jason Gray recorded a song whose lyrics I deeply respect. They are, give me rules, I will break them. Give me lines, I will cross them. I need more than a truth to believe. I need a truth that lives, moves, and breathes to sweep me off of my feet. It ought to be more like falling in love than something to believe in, more like losing my heart than giving my allegiance. Give me words, I'll misuse them, obligations, I'll misplace them, because all religion ever made of me was just a sinner with a stone tied to my feet. It never set me free. It's got to be more like falling in love. It was love that made me a believer and more than a name, a faith, a creed. Falling in love with Jesus brought the change in me. Those lyrics resonate with my life. It's a daily practice to choose love. Other stuff does get in the way, but through prayer, forgiveness, grace, and patience, love wins, always. I am humbled that I can serve as your pastor in this ministry of love. I'm so proud to be a pastor of a church that supports nurture, outreach, and witnessing like Epworth Church does, such as what's happening right now at the Solano Stroll at the Epworth booth. Worshiping together is one of the ways we experience love through our prayers and music. I can't wait till October 1st when Easter Hill United Methodist Church, a historic black church in Richmond, will close its door so all of them can come here and we can worship together. It's going to be awesome. Epworth Church is generous with its ministry to children, youth, adults, and families of all kinds. My family is interracial, and I identify as a mixed kid. And it's wonderful to be in a community where I see other families like mine. And maybe it means something to see that in your pastor. We have potential to grow in our diversity. 
On Friday, I walked with Faith in Action folks at the Ceasefire Walk and was delighted to be joined by Catherine Whitney because she actually read my column in This Week at Upworth. <laughs> and she was available to join the walk. I want to lead Upworth in ways to join the movement to end gun violence. We're all concerned about public safety, and we want to be a witness to God's love in the public square. This month, the two Just Faith groups will start, one with Easter Hill Church and another with local congregations. There are many ways we want to see God's love lived out here and around our community. Sometimes it's local, sometimes it's global. Sometimes it's personal, and sometimes it's communal. The church can be a powerful source of love, and I have to say it, and it's so true, it's our financial support that really can make a tremendous difference. It makes a difference in our own lives because individuals have a need to give. And it makes a difference in the lives of others because ministry happens in new and invigorating ways. I can't thank Leroy and Charlotte and Wendy and Willa and the rest of the Committee on Finance enough for their, their service and stewardship of our resources. And if you would like to know more about our budget and what increase in giving we need, and that's italicized, bold, and underlined, increase in giving we need as we move into these autumn months, please reach out to me and the committee. I know where they sit, Leroy, Wendy, raise your hands. Others are doing the Lord's work elsewhere today. The table of love is one that requires us to be present. It's not love without you. <laughs> it's just a table. Each of you has a seat and a voice. And yes, an opinion. You probably heard me say this before, and I'll say it again. I'm pretty sure that at the same moment that someone is telling me about their opinion on one thing, somebody somewhere else is expressing the exact opposite. <laughs> Makes my job so easy. <laughs> Sometimes it's not even somewhere else. Sometimes it's right there at the shared table of love. Here's an example. Prayer requests in worship. There's an institutional memory of prayer requests being shared aloud with the passing of the mic. Pros and cons of this method are known, understood, and some say, nonetheless, I miss it. I wonder if seated at the table of love, would we be able to work out a compromise? Could there be community guidelines, perhaps, for how we share the prayers? Can we stay at the table long enough to work it out? One consultant I read says, anxiety is like yeast, and the more people that get pulled into a disagreement or conflict, the more it has an opportunity to grow. Love gets suffocated in this kind of environment. One of the reasons we celebrate communion is to remember, to remember, to reenact the act of love. This table of love requires much of us. It insists that we love one another as we love ourselves and that we love ourselves as we love others. Love asks that we raise one another up by saying, yes, you are worthy.
Would you like to turn to your neighbor and say, yes, you are worthy? You are welcome at this table. Yes. Yes, you are worthy. You are welcome at this table. And when we surrender to the mysterious ways of love, we may be surprised to find out just how much there is to go around. Amen. Peace, love, and